Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Hi, this is uh, Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. Hey guys, this is Cam York from Team USA. Hello, this is Tim Stutzler. Hi, my name is Noel Gunnler. I'm Alexander Holtz of the Team Sweden. Hey, I'm Dylan Cousins. Hey, it's Phil Tomasino. Hi, this is Devin Levi. Major Junior. Looks back to the point, turns, fires, scores! What a shot! First OHO goal for Shane Wright. Right circle, shot, scores! Connor Bedard has arrived here at the Brad Center, is first in the Western Hockey League. NCAA. Save! Watch out! Watch out! UMass are national champions! The NHL Draft. I am Slash and Kosa. This is Don Gunther of the Emmett Snow Kings. This is Luna McLoom from UGarn here. Hi, I'm Brent Clark. Hi, uh, this is Matt Coronado from the Chicago Steel. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. Hey, it's Paul Stones with a two-fall stampede. This is Fabian LaSalle. I play for Lulio. Hey, it's Corson Kuhlman from Brooks Bandit. Hi, this is Chaz Lucius. This is Logan Sandkoven. I play for the Camels Blazers. It's just Wolfis from uh, Lulio Hockey. And more. Bring it! This is the Pipeline Show. Former Gatineau Olympique hits career game 1,000 in the NHL. Playoff races in the CHL absolutely heating up. The AJHL is into round two. There's the USHL player that's going from the blacklist to potentially the get list. And it's championship weekend in the NCAA. Lots to get to. Welcome to the Pipeline Show, everybody. My name is Guy Flaming. Excited to have you on board this week as we uh, get set for what will be a slightly shorter show than uh, was anticipated. I'll explain in a moment. The program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky because you can't win friends with salad. And I like to say there are the, the world is made up of two people. Those who agree that Wilhock Beef Jerky is the best beef jerky on the planet and those who haven't tried Wilhock Beef Jerky. Two locations, Leduc, Spruce Grove, both obviously here in Alberta, right outside of Edmonton. But if you are in Western Canada, you don't have to make the drive in. Any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada, they will ship it to you. Vacuum sealed, fresh on delivery, and absolutely delicious. WilhockBeefJerky.com. Let's get right to it. And listen, this is a junior and college hockey show, but I'm going to spin this as a uh, former Gatineau Olympique. Claude Giroux uh, plays Game 1,000 with the Philadelphia Flyers. Speculation rampant that, uh, well, he's not joining them on their next road trip. So it looks like uh, his career as a Flyer is uh, coming to an end. Sounds like the Florida Panthers, the leading candidate to add him. As I'm speaking with you right now, that's the rumor. By the time you're listening to this, that may have already happened. Uh, But Florida, Colorado also still in the mix, according to uh, media reports. I am a longtime Flyers fan. It's a sad day for me. Claude Giroux has been, he's been my favorite player for the Flyers uh, for the last 15 years. When I think of the Flyers right now, I think of Claude Giroux. It's much like uh, the the atmosphere around the game on Thursday when he was playing and the celebration that was going on. It seemed to me that it was a very reminiscent of here in Edmonton with uh, Ryan Smith, career oiler who was a, a fan favorite, and then that came to an end. A little bit different because I think everybody's expecting uh, Giroux to get uh, traded. Whereas with Ryan Smith, everybody was hoping they would find a way to uh, sign him, re-sign him. Uh, that didn't happen, and they traded him, and that didn't go over very well. So it wasn't uh, something that I don't think either team or either side was hoping for in the case of Ryan Smith. 
with uh, Claude Giroux, it seems like everybody has kind of come to the realization it's going to happen. Let's celebrate the 1,000 games, and then we'll separate and move on. But sad day for Philadelphia Flyer fans. Let's get to the uh, CHL, the uh, top 10 coming out this week. The Edmonton Oil Kings still number one. Will that change? Because uh, they just lost to the Saskatoon Blades on Wednesday night. The number two team in the CHL top 10 are the Hamilton Bulldogs, but they also lost. So will there be a change or not? The Winnipeg Ice, who are ranked number three, uh, they've been uh, clicking along. Uh, the Oil Kings, I mean, they had won 14 in a row and then lost to Saskatoon. Winnipeg has, uh, I believe, seven wins in a row now. They still have uh, four games in hand, but they're back a, l- a few points from the Oil Kings in the WHL standings. Yeah, four points back in the standings, but four games in hand. Uh, going by winning percentage, Winnipeg has overtaken Edmonton again. So we'll see if Edmonton is able to hold on to that number one spot in the top ten rankings. Uh, Charlottetown is four, followed by Everett, Kamloops, Sherbrooke, Shawinigan, Flint, and the Portland Winterhawks are number ten. The honorable mentions this week go to the Memorial Cup host St. John Sea Dogs, North Bay, and Quebec. Looking at the playoff race in the uh, Western Hockey League, five teams in the Western Conference have uh, clinched. Everett, Kamloops, Portland, Seattle, and Kelowna. No question they're in the playoffs. Then it becomes a a bit of a tight race. Vancouver has a bit of a cushion. They're sitting sixth with 48 points coming into the weekend and a couple of games in hand over uh, most of the other teams that uh, they're battling for seeding with. Spokane and Prince George are tied for seventh. Uh, Victoria is in ninth, but uh, they're three points back. And Tri-City with just 37 points, but uh, coming off a big victory. But these teams are now down to 10, 11, 12 games, and that's it. So it is uh, definitely crunch time in the WHL's Western Conference and no different in the East. Seeding right in the middle, very interesting. You got Edmonton and Winnipeg at the top. Red Deer not that far off. And then a great battle between Moose Jaw and Saskatoon, two teams who look destined to meet each other in round one. But who is going to have home ice? They're separated by one point right now. Moose Jaw with the lead, but Saskatoon has two games in hand. Then you have Brandon Wee Kings, who are in sixth. They've lost four in a row. Uh, Ridley Gregg on the sidelines right now. That's uh, bad news for them. But they do have a pretty good cushion over the uh, the rest of the pack that are uh, fighting over the last two playoff spots. Uh, right now it's Lethbridge, Regina, uh, claiming the seventh and eighth positions. Then Calgary and Prince Albert with Swift Current. And uh, those five clubs are separated by three points. So it's uh, it's a free-for-all in the Eastern Conference of the WHL. Hamilton is the top team in the OHL's Eastern Conference. In fact, overall in the league. North Bay, Mississauga, and Kingston right there, and they are all very close, separated by three points. Then there's a gap, top-heavy, in uh, the Eastern Conference of the OHL. Much the same in the uh, Western Conference, too. you got four teams who have kind of separated themselves. Uh, Flint has a three-point lead over London. Then you've got Windsor and, and the Sioux Greyhounds, who are all within two points of each other. Then it falls back a bit to the Guelph Storm, who have uh, won two in a row, though, so maybe they're uh, turning the corner a bit and uh, trying to make it interesting. So are the Owen Sound Attack, 7-0-2-1 in their last 10, coming into the weekend's play. The real race in the OHL is in the Western Conference. Who's going to make the playoffs at the bottom? Three teams, Sarnia, Erie, and Kitchener, basically tied. One of them is going to miss out. Pretty good race up top the uh, the Q's Eastern Conference as well. Charlottetown and Quebec tied in points. The Islanders, though, have three games in hand. Acadie Bathurst also with three games in hand over uh, Quebec. But they would have to win them all uh, to pull even uh, with the Rampart. 
still almost 20 games to go, actually 20, 21, 22 games to go in the queue because of that six-week break they took right in the middle of the season. The hottest team in the queue right now might be the Sherbrooke Phoenix, who are uh, on a six-game heater, and they've only lost once in their last 10. They are sitting comfortably in third place, and that's only because uh, of divisional standings. They actually have more points than number two ranked at Gatineau in the Western Conference. Round two of the Alberta Junior Hockey League playoffs begin this weekend. One upset in the first round as uh, Camrose was knocked off by Canmore. That was the three seed getting bounced by the number six seed. Everybody else, it was the uh, the higher seed that would advance. In the South Division, you've, now you've got the Brooks taking on those Canmore Eagles. Okotoks will face Drumheller. That should be a good series. And in the North, it'll be Whitecourt against Spruce Grove. I guess Whitecourt also was an upset. Pardon me. The uh, Wolverines were the sixth seed. They took out the Bonneville Pontiacs, who were uh, ranked number three. Uh, so it'll be Whitecourt and Spruce Grove, and uh, Drayton Valley will play the Fort McMurray Oil Barons. I mentioned in the uh, the intro uh, about a USHL player who may be working his way off the uh, the blacklist. Uh, that guy, Mitchell Miller. Remember him? A couple years ago, drafted by the Phoenix Coyotes. Excuse me, the Arizona Coyotes. And then about, uh, what, a month later, month and a half, he's dropped by those Coyotes because of all those uh, horrible, horrible stories uh, from his youth, which I really don't want to get into again. Uh, also dropped by uh, North Dakota. So he didn't play at all last year. This year he's rejoined the, the Tri-City Storm, and he is having a hell of a season. He's got 63 points in 46 games. Keep in mind, he's a five foot ten defenseman, fourth in league scoring right now. And 100% can do whatever he wants, whether he wants to go to college, maybe he's going to go play in Europe. Uh, but this is his, I want to say it's his final year of junior eligibility. Yes, it is. So I guess question of the week, would you want him? Or would you want your favorite team to either sign him as a free agent? Or if you're a college fan, do you want to see your club uh, recruit him? Let me know what you think about the Mitchell Miller situation with the Tri-City Storm having a great season. but so much baggage to, to go along with that. Meanwhile, the standings in the USHL with uh, 11, 12 games left to go in the regular season. Dubuque and Chicago still fighting it out for top spot in the Eastern Conference, separated by one point. Uh, Dubuque is ahead, but Chicago has one game in hand. In the Western Conference, it's uh, Tri-Cities, the only team in the league that has already clinched a playoff spot, and they have an 11-point uh, cushion over the Sioux City Musketeers for second in the West. Hey, it's been a while since we talked to you sports up here in Canada. Well, a lot of the uh, conferences are into the uh, semifinals or the finals already. Get it going this weekend. Uh, UNB, that's the University of New Brunswick, will play Moncton. That's in the semifinal of the AUS, the Atlantic University Conference. The other side of that uh, conference will see St. Mary's going up against St. FX. Meanwhile, Canada West is into the finals, and it's uh, UBC taking on Alberta. The Golden Bears hosting the Thunderbirds at uh, Claire Drake Arena on Friday night. In the OUA West, it's uh, Ryerson against Waterloo and Brock against York. That's your uh, semifinal in the uh, West of OUA. And in the East in Quebec, you got McGill against Napissing and UQTR. That's uh, Three Rivers, Trois-Rivières uh, going up against Ontario Tech. The University Cup will be held later this month, March 31st. It starts uh, to April 3rd. And that will be in uh, Wolfville, Nova Scotia, home of Acadia University. And lastly, in the NCAA, it is championship weekend. Here are your matchups. 
In the NCHC, Minnesota will play Denver, Western Michigan against North Dakota. Obviously, the two winners advance, and they will play on Saturday. The winner gets the automatic bid to the NCAA National Tournament. But spoiler alert, all four of those teams that were good enough all year that uh, they will all uh, be in amongst that 16-team field. Hockey East, a little bit different story. You got Connecticut going against Northeastern, Mass Lowell against Massachusetts. And I think Northeastern and, and uh, Mass are okay, but I'm not sure that Mass Lowell, they are ranked 13th right now in the pairwise. I'm not sure if they are guaranteed to get in or not. They may have to win their way in. Certainly Connecticut does. They would have to win Hockey East to qualify for the tournament. Uh, in the ECAC, you've got Colgate going up against uh, Quinnipiac. Clarkson will host Harvard. Of those four, only Quinnipiac is guaranteed to be into the tournament. The other three will all have to win in. Clarkson right now is number 16. They are absolutely uh, as much on the bubble as you can be. Unfortunately for them, they're kind of 17 because the winner from the Atlantic Hockey Tournament automatically gets in, which kind of bumps Clarkson down a spot, and uh, only 16 teams make it. So that's why Clarkson has to win to get in. Speaking of Atlantic Hockey, you got Mercyhurst taking on AIC Air Force will face RIT. And the last two conferences, they are into the finals, so the, the, it all comes down to Michigan and Minnesota in the Big Ten and Minnesota State against Bemidji State for the CCHA crown. And Michigan and Minnesota definitely will be in the tournament. They're both uh, top five teams. Uh, and Minnesota State is in as well. They are currently ranked number one. Last bit of college hockey news. It's uh, almost, almost official that Lindenwood... Ready to go Division 1 for this coming season. Augustana, the other club that uh, is already announced, but that's not until the uh, following year, so in 2023. Uh, but Lindenwood, which is just uh, around St. Louis, uh, they are ready to make the jump to Division 1. They just won the ACHA, Club Hockey National Championship. Rick Zombo is the head coach there, former NHLer. We expect that he will be the head coach as the team uh, goes NCAA Division 1. All guests of the Pipeline Show join me, courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. Craft beverages worth sharing. The brew house located right in Red Deer, Alberta, where you can go in and get exclusive taproom uh, beverages. They also got the fridges. You can make your own six-pack, one of this, one of that, one of this one. Or you can uh, place your order online as well and pick up from three different locations in three different cities. In Red Deer, you would order online and pick up right at the taproom. In Edmonton, you would go to the Bountiful Farmer's Market, and in Calgary, at the Calgary Farmer's Market, all the details you can find at troubledmonk.com shop. Big banner right at the top of the page that will give you all the details. Here is what we have coming up on the show this week. Adam Woden from College Hockey News will set the stage for the championship weekend. We just ran through the matchups. We'll, we'll pick the expert's brain on what he's expecting to unfold this week and also talked a little bit about the uh, Lindenwood situation. From there, Ty Nelson of the North Bay Battalion will join me. He is uh, off to the CHL Top Prospect game here shortly. He plays for the Battalion, who are having a, a fantastic year. Ty Nelson, the first overall pick in the OHL priority selection in 2020, didn't play at all last year and having one hell of a season this year as a 17-year-old rookie. In fact, he turns 18 later this month. have to wonder, have to ask yourself, how good is he going to be next year? if he's this good after missing a season. And from there, we'll keep the 2022 draft spotlight turned on. We'll go to the Athel Murray College of Notre Dame, and that is in Wilcox, Saskatchewan. 
Kevin Anderson, who was a forward with the uh, the Hounds of Notre Dame, playing in the SJHL. He is off to Princeton after this season, but the SJHL playoffs uh, getting underway this coming weekend as well, as Notre Dame will play uh, the uh, highly touted Estevan Bruins. Well, we'll get to know Kevin Anderson, as he is a, a player that I kind of asked an NHL scout who's a friend of mine. I said, uh, who's the guy I haven't had on the show yet that uh, I should? He mentioned Kevin Anderson. So, He's on the program, but we are going to start with an NCAA campus report. Adam Woden from College Hockey News. He is up first here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Got the puck now in the corner. He and Louis Rail do battle. A pair of number sixes toward the front now. A nice play, they score. What a pretty goal by Brendan Brisson, and it's 2-1 Michigan. Hi, this is Brendan Brisson from the Chicago Steel, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. And boom goes the dynamite. First guest this week on The Pipeline Show is it's going to be an NCAA campus report. Of course, those always brought to you by College Hockey Inc. And my guest is from College Hockey News. That, of course, is Adam Woden. Uh, Adam, welcome to the pi- welcome back to The Pipeline Show. How are things? Oh, things are good, my friend. And uh, as, as I just mentioned to you off air, I've moved to Denver recently, so it has been exciting to say the least, uh, like you said, see some uh, NCHC hockey up close and personal. But I will be missing Lake Placid for the first time mm. since 1994 that uh, I will not be at the ECAC tournament. So, And that, that's been in three different cities. But sp- specifically, everyone that's been at Lake Placid, I've been at since uh, 95. So, oh well. But uh, <laughs> my favorite place on earth. But what can I do? Beautiful country there, <laughs> but you've traded for a beautiful uh, territory yeah, as exactly. well. As long as uh, <laughs> that John Denver wasn't full of shit, like they said in uh, Dumb and Dumber. Uh, right, exactly. <laughs> no, he was not. He was not. Uh, at least as far as I'm concerned. All right, let's get to the uh, the hockey. And uh, we got uh, six uh, conferences wrapping and everything up this weekend. It's a championship uh, weekend. Uh, but first, the big news out of Lindenwood that uh, what we've been expecting basically for a year now Looks like it's finally going to be uh, officially announced that Lindenwood is going to uh, become Division One next year and uh, joining a lot of other programs that have uh, signed up here. Augustana as well. Is that Augustana is coming the year after, though, right? Lindenwood is this coming season. Right. Well, yeah, that's apparently what's going to happen, which, you know, I, I always think is crazy. Uh, but LIU did the same thing. That's right. Yeah. Island a couple of years ago during the pandemic. They just announced it in February and started playing that fall. So, I mean, yeah, although it was April, I think, but, um, so I, you know, I think that's kind of crazy, but you know, they already have a club team at least as opposed to LA did not. Right. Uh, and their club team is pretty good and they do have a women's program at the division one level. And they recently, uh, upgraded all of their sports from D two to D one. 
Uh, that wasn't, I mean, you know, this has been rumored forever and it wasn't just a rumor. I mean, last year I talked to the athletic director. He said, you know, it looks like it's going to happen, but we got to finalize the fundraising. Well, that never happened. A year went by. Then they made the announcement about going to D1 and the other sports. Didn't mention hockey. And then they fired this athletic director just last week. Um, so all I'm hearing and seeing is that, the, like, I don't know if that was directly the reason they fired him, but he was sort of like against the move for hockey because they hadn't raised all the funds yet. Hmm. <laughs> so, but the president of the school says that uh, they're going to go forward with it anyway. So, you know, this hasn't been openly announced yet, but it looks like it's going to happen now. I, I, I think it's a little crazy to not have all the ducks in a row and, and to do it that quickly, but Hey, whatever. It's not my, uh, not my situation. And, and we'll get apparently Rick Zombo, you know, Rick Zombo, yeah. former NHL defenseman is their head coach. Uh, of course, played for the Blues for four years, and so he stayed in St. Louis, coached a lot of youth hockey there and up through the ranks. So he's going to, you know, theoretically, they'd keep him on. So all of a sudden, Rick Zombo becomes an NCAA Division One head coach, I guess. Which so, which same uh, story with Greg Powers, right, with uh, at ASU. Right, right. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, Greg Powers didn't have the background, I guess, that Rick Zombo sure. had. But, yeah, similar in that regard. Um, but, you know, Zombo also played for North Dakota back in the early 80s, so he does have some of that college hockey background at least as far as you know at a division one school that with recruiting and all that jazz so yeah it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on i mean you know when augustana starts playing in 2023 that's going to create six independent schools at that Mm -hmm. point assuming nothing else changes so um something's got to give there eventually, but I don't know what it's going to be. Be crazy, but uh, have an independent conference. At least they could have their own little independent uh, <laughs> cup at the end of the year. Like all these other clubs are playing off for conference championships. They could have their own, like the bean pot or the gold pan or something. They just have an independent uh, cup. Something like that they did in the late eighties, um, where the team that won that actually made the NCAA tournament. So oh. it was sort of like, now, this is back when there was only like 12 teams in there and there weren't as many overall. But, yeah, they they did that, which is why, like, you know, Alaska Anchorage made the 1990, I think it was 91 NCAA tournament and actually upset Boston College that year. Hmm. Um, so they used to do that. But then the, all those schools, you know, wound up in conferences or disbanded. So who knows? Who knows? These are far different times, though. Lot, lot needs to shake out. Yeah, it's exciting though to get a couple new uh, programs up and running again. I always like to see that. Don't like to see the teams uh, who uh, have to pack it in. But uh, and, and like Alabama should be coming back, right? And Anchorage is coming back. Uh, Anchorage is coming back for sure. Alabama, I don't really know about because they they made a contingent, or at least they said they made a contingent upon finding a conference, and I don't know if that's happening. Mm, okay. So. You know, that's why, you know, I was always Debbie Downer on that. And uh, everyone's like yelling at me like, oh, how could you be so negative? I'm like, look, I mean, yeah, you're not finding a conference anytime soon. So I don't know when you say that it's the caveat. That's a pretty big caveat to me. So uh, I'm sorry to have to be the bearer of bad news, <laughs> but uh, that's that's just reality right now. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, at this point, I don't see that happening, to be honest with you. Robert Morris. Yeah, that's the year after, though, as well. So they'll be, and they'll, and theoretically, they're going to be allowed back in Atlantic hockey. Now, this assumes that there aren't further changes because, yeah. you know, this might prompt the split of Atlantic hockey into two and that kind of thing. So, you know, but I think Robert Morris will be in a conference one way or another without any issue. Adam Wooden from College Hockey News, my guest. All right, let's get to the uh, championship uh, in the, all six conferences. Uh, 
will finish up this weekend. I guess now that you're in Colorado, we start with the NCHC. You got Denver and Minnesota, Duluth, North Dakota against Western Michigan. All four of these clubs should qualify regardless of what happens this weekend uh, for the NCAA tournament. So really nothing on the line except conference uh, uh, bragging rights, which obviously is pretty important as well. Who do you like to come out of them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a little bit, you know, is, is Minnesota, Duluth going to be a two or a three seed? You know, is Denver going to hold on to their one seed? I mean, the, the little things like that, I mean, right. it won't, won't make a big impact in terms of their national chances. But, uh, you know, I get to see Denver up close and personal nowadays. And even before I did, I liked them a lot. Um, you know, it's kind of still, I've been saying this, I don't know how much you've been reading my stuff on college hockey news, but I've been lambasting the uh, various Olympic committees for not taking any Denver players uh, in the Olympics this year. It just boggles my mind. I mean, they had, you know, even team Canada didn't take Mike Benning and whatnot, uh, you know, Carter Savoy. I mean, I just couldn't understand it, but uh, they, they're loaded. Um, they're, the one weakness I will say is their goaltender. And it's not like he's been bad Magnus, Magnus Krona. But, you know, if you have to find the Achilles heel, he's not often tested a lot. I mean, they do a good job. They usually possess the puck quite a bit in the offensive zone. But uh, against some of these better teams as they go on, I mean, that's the one time, you know, just the one bad goal at the wrong time. So, you know, look at his numbers. He's fine. But I think that's the, you know, if you just have to find one weak spot, that's it for them. But, you know, they're pretty, they're pretty solid up and down. So, um, but you know, it's hard to handicap these things because when you're talking about four really good teams that are all like in the top 10 of the pairwise, yeah. you're talking about like, you know, Denver might have a 28% chance of winning and everyone else a 23%, you know, it's just who knows, you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, North Dakota, obviously they've been, you know, again, we're, we're, it's, it's splitting hairs, but you know, they're very talented, obviously, but they've uh, had some injuries guys in and out of the lineup, some inconsistency. Um, again, their goaltender Zach Driscoll at times hasn't been good, but now he lately has been good. So depending on who shows up to that, uh, you know, Western Michigan, I thought, you know, top to bottom, they're as solid as any team in the country. Uh, then they lose their captain to, uh, some horrific legal issues Mm -hmm. and, uh, took them a little bit of time to shake that off. But I do think that they, you know, they have, uh, a fantastic defense, a very good goal center, um, and like two or three dynamite offensive players. Maybe not as deep offensively as some of the other teams, but uh, but some terrific, you know, dynamic players. And uh, and Duluth, you know, another team who <laughs> they've been, they seem to do this every year, even when they win national championships. They kind of just lie in the weeds for a while, you know. They they started off the year like ten and three, uh, had swept Minnesota early on, but then they had trouble in the league. They go up and down. Uh, they, you know, they had the issue with their number two goaltender missing time uh, yeah. for cancer treatment. Um, and then all of a sudden last weekend in the playoffs, they win two road games in a row. First time all year, they'd done that. <laughs> First time they swept two games in regulation in a row in a weekend since late October. And uh, here they are again. So Nothing would surprise me as far as they're concerned. They're playing in St. Paul, Minnesota, which isn't home for anybody. Is there home ice advantage at all? I know North Dakota fans travel so well, it's closest to Duluth, but is there an advantage for anybody? Yeah, I don't think that it really will play into it. I do think that you know North Dakota will bring a swarm of people, but it's such a big building and stuff. And like you said, enough Duluth fans as well will be there that kind of it's not like it'll be 18,000 North Dakota fans. You know what I mean? It's going to yeah. be tempered a little bit. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't see that being much of an advantage for anyone. 
All right, let's uh, skip over to Hockey East. And uh, this is a conference that really intrigues me because uh, basically all of these teams are kind of on the bubble. The only way to guarantee they're going to get in is to win. Maybe Massachusetts, because I think in the pairwise, what are they, 11th or something right now? So yeah. they're, they're at the high end of that bubble, but uh, things could work out so that they could actually still miss. But uh, So there's a lot of intrigue and a lot of extra on the line here. It's not just about conference championship. It is about the national championship as well. Yeah, it's definitely been goofy. I mean, ever since UMass got swept at the end of the regular season by Boston College, it dropped them down to 11 or 12, depending on you know the day in the pairwise. And that's the highest rated Hockey East team. I mean, it is conceivable that only one Hockey East team makes the NCAA tournament, which has right. never happened in the history of Hockey East going back to when it started in 1985. So, yeah, I mean, they're all 11, 13, 14 and uh, Connecticut's 19. So, you know, three teams could get in or one team could get in. Right. And uh, it's it's all going to come down to what happens in you know some of the other conferences as well. But uh, it's, uh, you know, the East was definitely down this year. But, um, you know, they're all pretty good and they all have uh, things about them that could, you know, lend itself to being good in the national tournament. As far as this... You know, conference again. It's like the NCHC, but uh, you know, instead of all the teams being the top nine, they're all between you know eleven and nineteen. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's the same kind of thing where it's all so close. And who's to say? You know, UConn, I thought, um, kind of ruined a chance for themselves to really make a run at an at-large bid, and it looked like they were. You know, some people said they were choking, but uh, they were also missing some key players and uh, a bad time for their two top scores to kind of go into an offensive slump. But they broke out of that against uh, BU in the quarterfinal game and, you know, really kind of boosted their morale. The first ever time that, the, you know, this, this program is going to be in, uh, in Boston for the for the final for the semifinal. So um, but, you know, you just look at it. Northeastern's got Devin Levi. Uh, that's that's a wild card there. Yep. They also have some young forwards that have emerged as being very strong and gotten stronger and stronger as the year's gone on. So if they can score goals, I mean, it's very tough to beat them with, with Levi there. Um, but, you know, UMass has the experience. Uh, Matt Murray, their goaltender experience. You know, I know they lost guys from last year's championship team, but they still have plenty there. Uh, Lowell is just sort of this mystery team that always finds a way to win somehow, hmm. even though no one's ever heard of any of their players. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so you know, once again, throw them in the hat, and uh, we'll see what happens. You know, Lowell's won the uh, – conference tournament three times under norm Bazan going back to 2012 and northeastern's won it a couple times umass won it last year so yeah i mean again split hairs there who's to say I'll, if i had to pick one hmm. i want to say connecticut i'd love to see that happen but uh i'm going with northeastern and devin levi okay connecticut would be the worst case scenario for those other three that would push all of them down at least one more spot um, so right. that, that would be interesting. Uh, Josh Lapina missed a lot of this season. I'm not sure what the situation there was, but since he's returned, uh, the, uh, the Minutemen have been, uh, seems like they've uh, really found their way here uh, down the stretch. He's a, he's a key guy for them. Yeah, no, I mean, no doubt about it. Yeah. He missed time with an injury, uh, for, he was out a while. He, he comes back. He had the two goals, uh, against Providence in the quarterfinal game. You know, he, he had, he had come back, uh, you know, he was, he missed really more so early in the year, but uh, yeah, ever since he came, he's, he's been fine. I mean, he certainly 
wasn't the issue. Like I said, they, they really, UMass has been very good. Uh, it's really that weekend against BC that was kind of a mystery yeah. where uh, they got, they lost the two games, but uh, yeah, Lupini is a steady force and, uh, and, and Bobby Trevino, obviously, uh, you know, and uh, they're fine. They're fine. But uh, you know, they're not perfect. And uh, hockey's, I guess, was down in general. You know, you look at UMass's non-league games. They got swept by Minnesota State mm-hmm. at home when they were raising their banner <laughs> to start the year, and uh, then they lost two games at Michigan. You know, not, you know, not a, a big shame in that, but still, I mean, they haven't really beaten a non-league top team this year. So we'll see. All right, let's go to Lake Placid. That's the ECAC tournament. Uh, Quinnipiac is going to take on Colgate. I did take the Raiders to upset Cornell last weekend, so I'm happy in the, that I got one right at least. Um, I'm I, not happy about that. But oh, well, sorry. Uh, Clarkson <laughs> and Harvard are the other game. Um, I, I see Quinnipiac and Clarkson uh, meeting in the final here, but how do you uh, size up the uh, the matchups in the ECAC? Um, you know, C- Colgate got through because their goaltender, Mitch Benson, just stood on his head. Yep. I mean, especially in game three, the shots were 37 to 14 and they won the game. <laughs> you know, it was one, nothing most of the game. And uh, Cornell was just all over them, could not score. And then a block shot at the blue line, you know, finally like bounced the right way for Colgate led to a breakaway and it's two, nothing. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, Quinnipiac should be able to handle them, but, you know, if Mitch Benson plays like that, I mean, golly knows. I mean, Quinnipiac's going to do to Colgate what Cornell did. And uh, if, if they can finish a couple of them, <laughs> they'll be fine. So, but you never know. I mean, last year, St. Lawrence beat uh, Quinnipiac in that ECAC final. So, hmm. so there you go. But uh, I never, I never like to make anything absolute this, <laughs> this time of year. Yeah. Um, Clarkson, Harvard. I mean, it's an intriguing game. Clarkson, you know, is, it looks like from all the numbers I've crunched, even though they're currently 16 in the pairwise, they have to win the tournament in order to get in the NCAAs. That's just because if they don't, that means that, you know, at best they'd go one and one, which wouldn't be enough to leap over Ohio state. So, you know, they really shot themselves in the foot when they went out to Arizona state two games this year and lost both. Mm. You know, if they just gotten one tie out of that, they'd be in good shape. But ever since then, you know, they've been on a huge run, uh, notwithstanding a loss, at Cornell, but again, no shame in that. Uh, you know, Union Union uh, tested them in the quarterfinals. Um, you know, Harvard has so much talent. You know, it's just it's hard to tell sometimes uh, whether they're going to be able to harness it all. I mean, that's always been the story with them, but even more so coming off the one year without playing. Uh, if you notice that three of the four teams here played last season. That's right. Uh, Harvard's the only one that didn't. And, you know, Harvard's got so much. I and mean, they were supposed to have Matty Beniers on this team. Right. Uh, if it wasn't for the pandemic, that might, that's probably going to happen. So, you know, they have so much talent. They were able to overcome RPI, but RPI really tested them. Uh, Ted Donato, their coach, said, you know, they needed that test. So that's good in a sense. But it took them three games. And so, it was, again, not surprising if they got past Clarkson because I think they have more talent than Clarkson has. But uh, that's not to say that Clarkson doesn't have any. Uh, they have plenty. But, uh, you know, the one thing Clarkson's always lacked at this time of year, I've felt, is a power play quarterback type of guy. And, and these days, everyone seems to have that dynamic defenseman. If not one, there's been two. Right. You know, I mean, that's just the trend in hockey, especially in college hockey. And every good team has a couple of them. But Clarkson's, that's the one thing where they haven't gotten over the hump in the NCAs and in the, in the ECAC postseason in the last few years. So uh, I'm not sure that guy is there still. So. 
And I, I'd say that's their only Achilles heel, but I do like their team. I mean, you know, they're very deep and, uh, and I like their coaching staff. So, well, speaking of that, uh, liking coaching staffs in the Atlantic hockey, you've got uh, AIC against Mercyhurst and RIT taking on Air Force. And if it was based on coaches, I don't know how you cheer against Frank Saratori uh, with Air Force. <laughs> uh, but is this AIC's conference to to win? I'll tell you what. If you knew the other coaches, you might say that you like them just as much. All right, they're not as not as glib as uh, Frank Saratori. That's for sure. You can definitely. Uh, fill up the room with one liners, but yeah. you know, Rick Gawkin at Mercyhurst has been there since the late eighties. He's the longest tenured coach of any team consecutively. Uh, you know, Jerry Urich has been coaching longer, but Rick Gawkin at one school consecutively uh, and, and, and a really good guy, but you know, the, the all, all four of these teams have made the NCAAs before. I was kind of hoping there'd be a couple teams in there that hadn't mm. to kind of spice things up a little bit. But uh, Army got bumped off by Air Force, and Sacred Heart got bumped off by RIT. So, you know, you have all four of those teams have made it before. Uh, so I don't have any real, my heart is not necessarily in it one way or the other. Uh, I do think American International is just far and away the best team. Again, Atlantic Hockey would surprise me if they didn't got, get through. Um, and it would almost be a shame if they didn't get another chance at the NCAA tournament. But, uh, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure somebody will give them a, a tough game at least, and we'll see what happens. It doesn't seem that long ago RIT was in the Frozen Four. Yeah, well, that was uh, 12 years ago, believe it or not. But oh, my so, gosh. Yeah, I don't know. It depends on your <laughs> definition of not long ago. but yeah. <laughs> Man, it goes by quick. It seems like it uh, wasn't that long <laughs> I ago. I try but... to forget that Frozen Four because that was the one at Ford Field, which was just uh, oh, really that is terrible. Yeah, very, that... very tough <laughs> Frozen Four. And I was also hopping around on one leg that whole week because I had uh, played uh, floor hockey or deck hockey, whatever you guys call it out yeah. there. And I got took a shot on the ankle really bad. I thought I might have broken my ankle, so I was hopping around. It turned out not to be broken, but uh, so so that just added to the misery for me. All <laughs> right, we'll move on from the bad <laughs> memories then. The uh, uh, we know the uh, the finals are already set for the last two conferences. The CCHA has Minnesota State and Bemidji State. Now the uh, Minnesota State Club is, I mean, they're one of the top ranked teams in the entire country. So something would have to go wrong, or do you give uh, Bemidji a, a uh, a puncher's chance or to pull off the upset? I don't give them much of a chance. I mean, <laughs> of all of the, you know, it's funny. I say this, right. And that's going to be the one that's the upset, but um, you know, you look at the scores this year, they, they played two games at Bemidji five, one, five, one, two games at Mankato five, one, five, one. So Minnesota state has outscored them 20 to four in the four meetings this year. I don't expect that to change. I mean, you know, Northern Michigan, I thought would give them a game. Like last year, Northern Michigan beat Minnesota State in the semis. And Northern Michigan has a kind of an intriguing team to me. They they have shown they can win uh, games. They beat BU twice this year, and they just annihilated them 8-1. to one. So, you know, they're, they're a juggernaut. Uh, they, you know, call, let's call a spade a spade, so to speak, and say they don't get tested as much in the CCHA. I know everyone, you know, CCHA people hate me for saying that, but I mean, it's just, Relatively speaking, I know there's yeah. tough teams, tough games, but you know it's it's they don't get tested as as often. But uh, even you know their non-league games, you know they they've beaten UMass twice, they split with St. Cloud State, they beat Minnesota Duluth twice, uh, beat Arizona State twice. So it's yeah, it's uh, it's amazing what Mike Hastings has done there. Um, you know, again with like sort of like not the cream of the crop recruits, um, certainly guys who develop under him become NHL players, but not blue chippers when they come in. Uh, we all know about Nathan Smith, obviously, 
a third round pick is probably about as high as it gets there uh, for what they have an Olympian this year and whatnot. But uh, it's just, so, they're just so deep, so tough, so well coached. I know I haven't even mentioned Dryden McKay, yep. um, you know, the all-time leader in shutouts now. So yeah, very tough road to hoe there for Bidmidji State, I would say. Out of all the conference, out of all the, if I had to be the uh, the betting man, that's the, the one I would put my money on the most. Probably wouldn't get very good odds though. All right, last and certainly not least, maybe the marquee matchup of the weekend. Minnesota, the Golden Gophers, taking on the Wolverines from Michigan, and uh, they split the season series. This might be a coin flip, but uh, how do you see this? Boy, what do you say about this? I mean, this is like, if you're a general hockey fan who's not really an NCAA fan necessarily hardcore, and you're just like an NHL fan, this is like the game for you. Yeah, <laughs> there's just so many future NHL players. Now, this doesn't necessarily always translate, as you and I know, to necessarily winning national championships. Sure. But as far as like a marquee game that, you know, could be on prime time, this is it. And uh, within the Big Ten, this is about as big time as it gets, you know, and, and, and uh, Michigan got swept by Notre Dame in the last weekend of the regular season, allowing Minnesota to swoop in and take first place by a point. And so don't think that they haven't uh, used that as motivation. Um, you know, the, the home, home crowd advantage certainly helps Minnesota in this case. And so that's a big a factor in uh, them getting the number one seed. So that's huge for them that they were able to do that. Um, Yost can be crazy, even cra- certainly crazier than Marriott Arena. So, you know, in that sense, maybe not as big a home ice advantage for Minnesota, but certainly there is one. And I mean, that, that might be where the difference is, but Michigan proved last weekend when it finally did beat Notre Dame for yeah. the in the fifth times of charm that it can play any style and win because they played a very physical and tough defensive game to completely neutralize Notre Dame. And of course, they got the big goals when they needed it. They just needed all they need is like one little opening and uh, Brisson and Beneers got the goals, you know, um, so if they can continue to play that way, I mean, it's going to be challenging though, because against Minnesota in a bigger ice sheet, Minnesota's not going to want to play that way. Whereas Notre Dame kind of does want to play that way. And Michigan just kind of beat them at their own game. Hmm. Now is Michigan going to go out there and say, Oh, well, Minnesota's not that type of team. Let's just run and gun like we like to. And, and uh, may the best man win, but maybe that isn't their winning formula. I don't know. Um, so, that's uh, part of the intrigue of watching this game, you know, how, how that's going to turn out to be. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, you know, some great storylines throughout with all the top name talent. And, uh, you know, you got like Ben Myers on Minnesota, who's not even one of the drafted players, probably top free agent coming out college hockey this year, most likely. So just a lot to look, of course, in the, the goaltending situation at Minnesota with Jack LaFontaine goes to the NHL and Justin Close comes in had never played really before has better numbers than LaFontaine <laughs> um, sent, sent Minnesota off on a, on a win streak at the end of the year. Uh, yeah. I mean, the intrigue, intrigue galore, you know, and, uh, and uh, to me, like when I look at it, like, I'm not looking at it from like, Oh, who's going to win the big 10. I look at it like what team is setting themselves up best for the national tournament. You know what I mean? Right. So that's, that's what I tend to look. That's the way I tend to look at it. And so to me, the team that can play, sort of the way Michigan did last week in the NCAAs is the team that's going to have the most success there. So it's going to be interesting to see how they, how they decide to play it in this game with the big ice sheet. 
according to the pairwise right now, uh, you have Michigan and, and Minnesota as the number two and number four teams in the pairwise. Can you have two teams from the same conference be number one seeds in the in the big tournament? Yeah, as long as they don't play each other in the first round, it's all good. So if it uh, it looks like you know Michigan's definitely number one seed, and all four of the number one seeds are going to be from the West, quote unquote. Um, but the most you know other than Loveland, where Denver has to be because they're hosting and they're in Loveland, Colorado. Okay. The other three are all east. They're all you know east of the Mississippi, um, east of Michigan, even Allentown, Worcester, and Albany. So. You know, it kind of doesn't really matter where the other three go, but uh, they'll be there somewhere. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, the only issue there, as I look at it, is whether, you know, because currently Ohio State is 15th, and if they manage to hang on, uh, that just means that um, neither Minnesota or Michigan can play Ohio State if they both wind up number one seed. So that means Ohio State would probably have to play Denver uh, out there because they'll give Minnesota State as the top seed, the uh, – the lowest rated team, which would be the Atlantic hockey champion. So, so that's, that's uh, the only like sort of intrigue as far as what the seedings are going to be uh, for the NCAA tournament. Excellent. Uh, well, we are set now for the, uh, the big weekend. Uh, Adam, as always really appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. So we can chat again, uh, maybe once the tournament gets going or something. You got it, man. Anytime. That's Adam Wooden from College Hockey News setting the uh, table, setting the stage, painting the picture, any other cliches I want to throw out there, but getting you ready for a championship weekend in the NCAA. We're going to keep it rolling. The 2022 draft spotlight gets turned on. We're going to get to know a player ranked by pretty much everybody as a first-rounder. His name is Ty Nelson, defenseman with the North Bay Battalion. Let's get to know Ty next here on the Pipeline Show. It's brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Steal by Ryan Suzuki. Put it up center ice. Here's Cole Perfetti. What a chance to win the game. Perfetti, backhand. He scores! Cole Perfetti wins it in overtime on a breakaway. Hey, it's Cole Perfetti of the Saginaw Spirit, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Yes! That's awesome! Hey, we're back on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky available throughout Western Canada, uh, which means my next guest, unfortunately, not able to get any Wilhock unless he happens to come out west. Uh, we're going to turn on the 2022 draft spotlight and get to know another player eligible for the upcoming NHL draft, and that's why 
I'm happy to speak with Ty Nelson of the North Bay Battalion. I almost said Brampton Battalion. Uh, Ty, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, pleasure to get a chance to speak with you today. Uh, exciting times in uh, in the across the CHL as the playoffs get closer and closer, and and the battalion right in the middle of a, a terrific playoff race right now. Uh, what's the feeling like around the dressing room? Absolutely, it's a great atmosphere. We're all super excited about how our team has been playing, obviously all year, and uh, where we're sitting right now. And uh, it's going to be a dog race to the finish here with uh, Mississauga to try and uh, beat them out for number one in our division. But uh, I mean, right now in the dressing room, it's uh, great atmosphere we're all super happy and i feel this is probably the tightest our group's been all year yeah great dog fight yourselves in mississauga who you play on uh, thursday as a matter of fact by the time this comes out it'll, it'll probably be friday for most people so that game will have already happened but right now you're separated by only two points uh now unless something really drastic happens because you play one through eight right of one versus eight in the playoffs how important is is home ice in uh, or how important is seeding in uh, in the OHL playoffs for you guys, uh, based on the fact you're probably going to have home ice in the first round, but beyond that, into the into the second round, if things go right for you, uh, you you could run up against Mississauga in the second round, and would home ice be a a big factor there? I think so. Um, I believe home home ice advantage would be uh, a huge advantage to us, especially because we have such a great uh, fan base and. Um, even when it was like there was 500 fans in the building when we were limited, um, we were on, uh, uh, sorry, they were just phenomenal. They were unreal, super loud, real, like getting into the game. And then now we're at full capacity. Mm -hmm. Uh, we get 20, 2,500 and it's loud in that building and it's unreal. And you know what, that help, that can help change the momentum of games. And I've been told by some of the veteran veterans on the team that, in playoffs, those numbers just ramp up and it gets like unbelievably loud in that. So I feel that if we can finish first and get home ice advantage, it, it'll be a huge um, advantage to us. Just on paper, looking at your club's uh, record, uh, 221 goals for this year. I mean, you're one of the more offensive teams in the in the Ontario Hockey League, and that shouldn't be a surprise considering where you're sitting uh, in the standings. But uh, for you, what do you what do you consider to be the strength of your club? Um, I think just overall our our whole team identity and the depth of our team as well um i mean our team identity is just uh we call it the battalion way and it's just hard-nosed hockey uh you're doing everything right you're skating 110 percent on every play you're never giving up in a battle um and then uh, the depth in our team is that we have probably one of the best top lines in hockey and then it just follows up our second and third and fourth line just follow up with even better um, c contributes to the team. And they're putting in a lot of pucks in the back of the net recently, and it's been great for our team and our team's success. Well, if that, that depth that you're talking about is contributing like that throughout any time, if, if your coach is able to roll four lines and, and get all the defense out there, uh, that's that's a huge asset. Uh, for yourself, 46 points this year right now in 55 games, of course, as we're chatting, it's Tuesday. You got that game on Thursday, though, uh, so those numbers could change. But happy with the way you've played and, and that production? Uh, yeah, I felt uh, that I've had a great year so far, and I'm looking to continue to do the same. And then uh, my production is just, uh, it's been great. I mean, I couldn't be happier. I'm playing with amazing teammates that are unbelievably skilled, and they've helped me out a ton. Um, and especially just playing on the power play, um, just being with those top guys, it's 
been able to help for my point production as well. Uh, for yourself, I wonder what your expectations were coming into this year because it's such a strange situation the last couple of years with COVID. You guys didn't in the OHL didn't get to play at all uh, last season. Uh, you're a, I mean, you're a high draft pick. You're a first overall pick in the OHL a couple of years ago, but then you miss an entire season. I wonder what that does for a guy's development, but looks like it didn't hurt you at all. But what were your expectations coming into this year? Um, definitely just uh, trying to do whatever it takes to just get into the league, mold into the team, and then just um, play my game. And I think my dad says it best, right? They North Bay drafted me for a reason, and that's the way I play hockey, and I'm going to continue to do that at this level because that's why they drafted me. So that was my expectation was just coming in, uh, obviously trying to help the team in whatever way I can, um, help the team be successful, whether that's contribute offensively or defensively, and just trying to have a great season and get drafted as high as possible. Most guys are rookies at 16. You're a rookie at 17. You actually turn 18 here in a couple of weeks where our birthdays are two days apart. Happy early birthday to you. Yeah, you as well. It, was there a period of acclimation to the league? I mean, for a 16-year-old, it might take him a couple of months to kind of get up to speed at the OHL level. For you as a 17-year-old, I wonder if it was similar or did you think you uh, felt uh, a little bit more comfortable earlier on because you might be a year older? Uh, you know what? I... I... I kind of think it was kind of the same coming in for the, the 16 and 17 year olds because we were just as new as the 16 year olds were. Right? right. So, I mean, for me, um, I felt my adjustment period wasn't very long. I think maybe three or four games just to get the speed and the, uh, the type of plays and stuff that were going on. And, uh, I felt that was kind of just where I was getting adjusted to it. I mean, obviously, throughout this whole year you've been making adjustments and trying to better your game in that way because it's still a whole different thing from playing minor hockey and um i felt just i took i tried to take as much advantage as i could of covid and just trying to get bigger faster and stronger and i thought i did a, a pretty good job of that and that's that's what i felt uh definitely helped my transition into the ohl Ty Nelson is my guest. He's a defenseman with the North Bay Battalion out of the Ontario Hockey League, and uh, we're getting to know him in the 2022 draft spotlight. And that's what this uh, segment's for, uh, Ty. Is, uh, this is a junior and college hockey show, the Pipeline Show, so my regular listeners will know all about the OHL, and you're probably no stranger to most of them. Uh, but uh, there will be a lot of casual NHL fans who will pay attention to a, a segment like this just because you're a draft-eligible player. They might not know the OHL. They might live overseas or in the States. Uh, so let's get, uh, for the benefit of those fans, let's get some basic information about you and, and some background. Uh, where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Toronto, Ontario, specifically the North York area. Uh, North York, okay. Uh, uh, and uh, who got you into hockey? And do you remember how old you were when you first started playing? Um, my parents were the ones that got me into hockey. Um, they put me in skating. I believe I was two or three at the time when they just put me into skating. And then I first started playing hockey when I was four. Did you like it right away at that young age, two to three years old? Some kids, it takes them a while to start enjoying it. It might be a little too hard early on and you get frustrated. What about for you? Uh, honestly, I think I just loved it right off the bat. Yeah. I mean, I think my dad and my dad told me a story once where I think I fell flat on my face and I got up and was smiling. So 
that's when I, I guess they knew that I loved it and they kept putting me in it. Well, I hope you didn't uh, lose a chicklet or something like that and have the hockey uh, smile <laughs> that early. <laughs> no, no, we're good. We got all the chicklets still, <laughs> thankfully. Uh, have you always been a defenseman, Ty, or do you uh, ever play up front or, heck, even throw the pads on? Uh, I did play forward when I was very young, like in our first stages of hockey. I was a forward, and then um, once we got over into like the select and I think it's select age. Okay. Uh, my coach recognized that I was a good backward skater, and he wanted to use utilize me on defense. And he put me back there, and then I just fell in love with the position ever since. All right. So you you, you took to it fairly early on. Some I would imagine for some kids, you get told you're a forward, or you're used to scoring the goals and stuff, and then you get told well, you, you might be better on the blue line. Some guys might react poorly to that. For you, it seemed to work out pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. In fairness, I mean. I still love to score the goals. I think that's why I'm uh, an offensive defenseman. I love getting <laughs> up in the rush there. All right, fair enough. Uh, I mentioned you were the first overall pick in the uh, OHL priority selection. What was that, 2020? That uh, doesn't seem all, all that long ago. There's some pressure that goes along with that, isn't there? I mean, the the, the organization used a high pick on you. They're going to expect you to to uh, you know be worth a first overall pick. The fan base is going to expect that as well. And uh, most players would tell me though that. Nobody puts more pressure on uh, them than maybe yourself. Uh, do you feel that way as well? Um, I mean, at the beginning of the year, I definitely felt there was some pressure, like you said, with me being the first overall pick. But, I mean, I kind of just use that as um, fuel to the fire, right? Like, mm. I'm not a guy that will go into a big game and I'll, I'll be nervous and I'll feel like the pressure on how I have to play. And I'm just going to go into it like it's every other game. And that's how I feel I've taken the role as being the first overall selection. And then now, even now, I don't feel there's any pressure because the fan base has been nothing but great to me. Uh, the organization's been nothing but great to me. And honestly, I just felt that they've done a great job in helping me even relieve that pressure. They're just being uh, like so kind and uh, caring towards me as well. The sheet I'm looking at says 5'10 and 195, uh, but just under 200 pounds. Uh, is that uh, accurate, up to date? Uh, yeah, I'm 5'10 and about a buck 90 now. A buck 90. So is that, you did you try to slim down a little bit, but you're a little bit lighter? Was that by design? Uh, I think it kind of just came naturally through the season, just okay. playing and practicing so much. Uh, every season I tend to lose probably about seven, seven pounds, five to seven pounds. So that's something that just comes naturally. Okay. Uh, have you stopped growing vertically, or do you think five ten is where you top out? Uh, you know what? I hope not. I'm <laughs> still hoping I got a few inches left in me. Uh, I think I got it. Uh, I think you know what? I'm manifesting it. I'm gonna keep trying to grow. So that's <laughs> what I'm, I'm hoping for. Okay. Uh, listen, five ten, one hundred ninety five, or one hundred ninety ish pounds. Uh, the the image I have in my head is a guy like Ryan Ellis, uh, who's an offensive guy and uh, having a lot of success in the NHL and was a, a star at the uh, the Ontario Hockey League level. Not a tall guy, but not easy to uh, push off the puck. And uh, I mean, you're I think you're about 15 pounds heavier than he is. So uh, you might not be the biggest guy out there, but I'm sensing that there's uh, you're winning a lot of puck battles because uh, you're not an easy guy to move around. Yeah, actually, that's funny you say that. I like to say I model my game after Ryan Ellis as well. Well, for those who haven't had a chance to watch you play, and, and I'm in that department because I haven't been able to watch the battalion uh, this season, can you give us a bit of a, a self-scouting report? How would you describe yourself uh, as a player for, for those who haven't seen you or, or maybe haven't seen Ryan Ellis either? 
Uh, yeah, I like to say I'm a, a two-way defenseman. Uh, I love to play in the offensive zone. Um, love to quarterback the power play. And then also, like, I love playing in the D zone. I mean, um, being that shutdown defenseman when needed. And, you know, I, me and my dad joke about it. And I think if there was a, a league stat for it, um, I'd probably be, be leading the lead in block shots. Hmm. Um, so that's, that's something I, I like to strive for. And then I like to bring a little bit of a physical attribute to the game as well. Uh, eight goals this year out of those 46 points. You said you quarterback the power play. I'm guessing, I mean, you got a lot of offensive weapons on your team, uh, but you're not the guy who's pulling the trigger. You're setting that, uh, that guy up, correct? Uh, yeah. I'm, most of the time I'm the guy that's uh, setting up them, but uh, I like to rip some through and then uh, our forwards are great in front of that and bearing in the rebounds and stuff is like that as well. I gotta ask you. I'm in Edmonton, so there's a lot of attention here. A lot of Oiler fans are excited about Matvey Petrov. Um, can you give us a, a little update on him? What you've seen from him? Because he's having a fantastic season. Oh, he he's unreal. He's a great player. I mean, wow. Like when you think of his shot, like the words that just come to my mind is like, wow. Like you're amazed by it. Like he's on my uh, power play flank there, and I'll just feed him one timers all day and just let him hit him. Like honestly, like kind of a young Ovechkin type look of how hard his shot is. And he's he's a great player, great kid. Um, he's an unbelievable hockey player and I think Edmonton's uh not lucky to have he's lucky to have him. He's a a great player. Yeah, helping him with his English? I mean surprisingly his English is like phenomenal. Oh like, really? We didn't really think he was gonna speak that much English, but I mean the battalion's got him English classes and stuff like that. Um, I mean, he'll like mess up the odd word here and there, but I mean, other than that, like his English is phenomenal. Uh, all right, Ty, I got to ask you about the draft and, and whether it's something that you spend much time thinking about. Uh, most players will tell me, or a lot of them will tell me they, they push it to the back of their mind. They don't want to use it uh, or it become a distraction. There are players though, and maybe a growing number of players who tell me they actively look out to see, you know, where's TSN got me ranked? Where's Sportsnet had me ranked? Where's Central Scouting got me ranked? Uh, and they use that as motivation. What about for you? Um, I mean, yeah, I'm like the I kind of say I'm like the other guys that um I just kinda of put it back to my in the back of my mind. I mean yeah. obviously it's one of the biggest seasons of my life. I mean, trying to get drafted to the NHL is probably one of the hardest things you you can do. Probably the next hardest thing is making the NHL, obviously, but I mean, um it's something I put in the back of my mind and I don't really like to pay attention to it. I mean, you can't stop from seeing it, obviously. Like, you'll hear the odd thing here and there. Mm -hmm. I got some of my buddies sending me some of the lists and stuff like that. So when I see it, I mean, I'm going to look at it. But, I mean, other than that, it's it's just straight focus on today, what's happening now, and how can I get better. So if I tell you that everybody seems to have you ranked in the first round, you're not going to be surprised by that. My question is, does it matter where you go in the in in the draft? There's no question that you're going to be drafted. It's not a matter of if; it's just when. If you're a first rounder, a third rounder, a seventh rounder, does it matter to you? I mean, obviously, you want to get drafted as high as possible. But I mean, for me personally, it's that's the main goal: get drafted as high as possible. But I mean, if you get, it's just an honor to get drafted. Where where you get drafted doesn't matter. Uh, it's just an honor to have your name. Uh, called by an NHL team. Perfect. Uh, growing up in Toronto, you're from Toronto. Does that automatically make you a Leafs fan, or are you cheering for the Habs behind enemy lines, or something like that, or Detroit, or Buffalo? Uh, no. Yeah, growing up in Toronto, I guess kind of 
brainwashed me a little bit to be a loose <laughs> Anyone within that organization that you kind of looked to and thought, you know what, he's about my size, he's having success in the NHL, maybe I can play my game like him. You already mentioned Ryan Ellis, but, you know, he's nowhere near the Leafs. Uh, Morgan Riley. There you go. Great defenseman, a little bit undersized, and I say I model my game after him, him, as, him as well. Well, Ty, listen, I really enjoyed this conversation. I wish you and the uh, battalion the, the best of luck the rest of the way this season into the playoffs, and whatever happens at the draft, I hope we can chat again. Thank you. I appreciate that. There's Ty Nelson from the, I almost said Brampton Battalion. In fact, I did when I first uh, chatted with him before we started the interview. I, I mentioned uh, the Brampton Battalion, just how old I am, that it's uh, still that in my head, but that's the North Bay Battalion, and uh They've been there for a long time already, and they're having a terrific season. And uh, Ty Nelson, a big part of why uh, they are having such a good season. First overall pick in the Ontario Priority Selection in 2020 and uh, having a terrific year uh, this season. His first full one, well, his first in the OHL. Remember, he's one of those guys who didn't play at all last year. If there's any concern about what a year off is going to do to a guy's development, it doesn't have to be a, a, a big, dramatic, a negative effect. This guy's he put in the effort on his own in the offseason, but it was a full calendar offseason for him, and he's come back this year and had just a fantastic year uh, for the battalion. Almost makes you wonder, okay, if he can do that without playing at all for 12 months, what's he going to be like next year and beyond? It's another way to look at it, isn't it? All right, well, next up, we've got two more 2022 Draft Spotlight segments still to come. Next up, he plays for the Notre Dame Hounds in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. His name is Kevin Anderson, and he's a forward who is, uh, the buzz is growing. Let's get to know Kevin Anderson and why that buzz is growing next, here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. comes Jaden Schwartz, pulls the trigger, pats into the deck, he scores! What a finish! Yeah, this kid's just special. Jaden Schwartz is just a special, special player. Hi, this is Jaden Schwartz from Colorado College. You're listening to the Pipeline Show. Five-time Alberta Junior Hockey League champions, the Spruce Grove Saints, are back and welcoming fans to the Grant Fuhrer Arena for the 2021-22 season. A community-minded Junior A hockey organization offering affordable family entertainment. Tickets to big league hockey at affordable family rates range from $9 to $15 with free parking and some of the best food and drink specials in town. For more information on tickets and how you can become a partner, go to sprucegrovesaints.ca. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Now that is a man who has eaten a lot of beef. Back on The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, the uh, Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. That's Alberta's best beef jerky. Two locations, one in Leduc, one in Spruce Grove. But if you can't make the drive in and you're in Western Canada, well, you're in luck. They will ship it to you any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada. Just go to wilhockbeefjerky.com. Continuing on with the 2022 Draft Spotlight segments uh, this week, we get to know another player eligible for the upcoming NHL Draft. And uh, for this one, we're going to the SJHL, the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. Playoffs get going this coming weekend. 
And uh, one of the teams involved are the Notre Dame Hounds uh, from uh, Wilcox, Saskatchewan. And uh, my guest is uh, a member of the Hounds, Kevin Anderson. Uh, Kevin, welcome to the program. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, but uh, I'm not uh, getting set for the playoffs. I'm not draft eligible. So let's talk about you. You're a little bit more interesting than uh, than I am. Uh, tell me about this season for you and uh, and the Hounds. Obviously, you're playoff bound, so some a levels of success there. But uh, how would you describe the season in, as a whole? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been up and down for sure, but uh, got off to a slow start, and we we were able to pull it together towards the end and make the playoffs. And you know, it's a it's a huge accomplishment for the team, I think, and I'm really happy for the guys. So um, I'm excited to see what we can do down the stretch. Getting pushed down the stretch like that, do you think that you know, kind of in a way, been playing playoff hockey for the last few weeks? Does that get you better prepared for the uh, when it gets for real this weekend? Yeah, 100. percent I think uh, you know the last kind of month we've been pushing for that last. The last few playoff spots, and um, you know we've been we've been ready for a while now. So coming into Estimate, it's going to be a challenge, but I, I think all the guys are excited and we're ready to go. Uh, definitely a challenge. The uh, Estevan Bruins top team in the SJHL this year. Uh, you guys are separated by what about thirty five points. So you're definitely the underdogs hey, going yeah. into it. But what was the season series like between your two clubs? Did you, did you get a victory against them? Uh, yeah, we were able to pull out one, and um, you know they had a, a few big wins there against us, but. You know, we got one, so we know it's possible. And um, I mean, in the in the playoffs, it's a whole new season, so nothing else matters. And you know, we're ready to go to work. We don't want to reveal too much strategy going into the series, but you know, if you guys are going to have success, what do you need to do? Yeah, you know, we need to to limit our mistakes, and you know, we all got to play at our best and uh, be willing to sacrifice for the guy next to us. And you know, we've been working on a lot of stuff in practice that uh, it's going to be able to you know help us the best we can. But at the end of the day, it's it's going to be hard work beating talent. So, um, you know, we're going to see what we can do. Fantastic season for you as an individual, Kevin. 79 points in 58 games. 30 of those points were goals. Uh, I have to think you're pretty happy with uh, the way you played this year. Yeah, it was, it was a good year for me, and I, I'm happy with how it went. But, you know, none of that comes without my teammates. And, you know, they really uh, really helped me out through the year. And um, I'm happy that, that I got rewarded. But it's also good to see a lot of the other guys on the team um, getting uh, you know some benefits from that, too. Did uh, your line mates change a lot throughout the season, or did you play with the same couple of guys pretty much the whole year? Um, I pretty much played with the same right winger, Connor Nolan, most of the year. He was, uh, you know, he was really solid. He's a good playmaker, and he was able to put a lot of pucks in the net for me. And um, then my left wing kind of cycled through throughout the year. But yeah, you know, it was uh, about four or five players that I played with, and um, I'm really happy that we got to stay together and kind of build some chemistry and. Coming down into playoffs, it's going to be huge for us to, to know, uh, score some goals, and we'll see what we can do. All right. Kevin Anderson is my guest, plays for the uh, Hounds of Notre Dame in Wilcox, Saskatchewan, uh, in the uh, Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, uh, getting set for the playoffs uh, coming up this weekend. Uh, Kevin, I was telling you before we started that uh, this is going to be a profile on you. Basically, this segment is uh, meant for... Uh, casual NHL fans. This is a, the Pipeline Show is a junior and college hockey show, so my regular listeners will be familiar with junior A hockey in Canada. Uh, but there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans that'll listen to a segment like this simply because you're a draft-eligible player. And they might not know anything about junior A hockey in Canada. They might be from the States or from Europe. Um, so for the benefit of those people who don't know anything about you, maybe let's start at the beginning. Uh, Where did you grow up? So I actually grew up in Tisdale, Saskatchewan. I lived there until I was about 10 and, um, you know, started playing hockey early there. And then, uh, yeah, I think close to 10, I moved to Regina and I've been living there ever since. 
Okay. Who got you into hockey? And do you, do you remember how old you were when you first started playing? Um, I believe I was three or so, three or four. And, you know, it was kind of a family thing. My older brother, uh, two years older than me, played hockey when he was three or four, too. So my parents kind of got me into it. But it, it was always a, a family thing. We always loved playing mini sticks and stuff growing up. So <laughs> it only seems fitting to put on some skates and do it for real. An older brother. I have an older brother as well. And when I was a kid, I just wanted to follow along and do whatever he was doing. Was there some of that for you as well? Yeah, for sure. Especially in minor hockey, he uh, he was really good. He doesn't play anymore. He uh, just focuses on school now. But he was always kind of a, someone that I looked up to and uh, kind of tried to always be on the same level as him. He was always a bit better than me growing up. And I always wanted to be competitive with him and um, you know do what, he, do what he was doing. So it was good to kind of have an older brother like that have you always been a forward uh yeah my whole life i was never tried the blue line uh, a little bit in uh novice and adam i i guess i kind of rotated around but forward was always where i felt the most comfortable i know a lot of players i'll, I'll ask them uh, about uh, throwing the pads on at one point some guys would maybe when you were really young your team might not have had a full-time goalie so everybody had to sort of take their turn and go through the rotation did you have a, a an experience like that too yeah, uh, I think in, in uh, initiation and novice again like that, uh, we had kind of everyone played every position. But uh, other than that, I, I haven't strapped on the pads since. You could tell early on that wasn't the right fit for you? Yeah, I was uh, never a fan of stopping <laughs> goals. I always liked scoring them and stuff. So <laughs> figured I'd have more fun on forward. Yeah. Uh, tell me when uh, Notre Dame came into focus for you and why that program. I know historically, man, it's been uh, – it's a – Hockey Factory. It's produced a lot of future NHL players, but why was it uh, right for you, Kevin? Um, yeah, so when I was in grade eight, going into my second year of Bantam, I uh, went to a spring camp here at Notre Dame and just fell in love with the place and everything it had to offer. So I uh, begged my parents to, to let me come here. And then in, started in grade nine. I never wanted to leave since. So this is my fifth year here playing junior. And, wow. Um, you know, I, I, I love it here. And it's, uh, Obviously, it is a hockey factory, and um, it's a very competitive environment here. Everyone's trying to get better, so uh, a lot of good friends push each other, and um, yeah, I just, I love it here. It's not for everybody, and it's, for those who don't know, Wilcox is not a very big place, uh, but you're attracting, <laughs> the, 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 the school is attracting players from across the country. That's got to be a bit of an eye-opener for, for some of the other guys. You got some teammates and stuff that are coming from bigger centers who, I uh, get a taste of Wilcox and it might take him a bit to, uh, you know, a little culture shock for them. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I got, uh, I think five or six Americans on my team. There you go. Kind of come from all over and they come to small town Saskatchewan. I'm not sure what's going on. And, um, you know, there's a, a few guys from out East, a few guys from, from BC with all the mountains and, you know, it's, it's a big change for sure. Prairie Saskatchewan winter, a uh, bit of an eye opener for some guys for sure. Yeah. Uh, your little sister's there as well, right? Yeah, she's uh, she's in grade eleven right now, and she's been here for the past two years. All right, and, and she's a player too. Yeah, she's on the uh, the female AAA team here. Nice. So it's nice to have family there as well. Did your older brother go there at one point as well? No, he uh, he's the only one that didn't. He opted out and decided to just pursue his other goals. But me and my sister, uh, yeah, we made the choice to come here, and I know she loves it here, and I I do too. Uh, another choice you've made, uh, the last I've heard at least, is uh, Princeton is your NCAA option uh, that you're going with. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that's not next year, but the year after? No, I'm actually uh, heading in next year, starting in uh, starting in the fall. Okay. 
academically, obviously, uh, if I was to say why is Princeton the, the, the right program for you, I'm assuming you're, you're pretty good in school. Uh, from a hockey perspective, why is that the right fit? Um, you know, it was kind of the best of both worlds. I think they have a, a really good hockey program and they're up and coming. And, um, you know, I'm a, uh, I, I think we can, uh, really build, uh, in the future and, you know, getting a mix of NCAA hockey while one of the best educations in the world, is kind of a no brainer, I thought for me. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to get that going. You've uh, been drafted by uh, the Kootenai Ice in the WHL, the Green Bay Gamblers in the USHL, so you had options to go elsewhere, but you're just comfortable at Notre Dame and, and you get to go uh, to Princeton next year. Were those tempting, though, either Kootenai or Green Bay? I guess Kootenai now in Winnipeg. Yeah, for sure. It was uh, obviously a tough decision to make, and um, I'm glad with the, the route I went, but um, yeah, again, I think uh, the WHL and the USHL would have been awesome, and um, I'm just, I'm, I felt it was best for my development to, to stay at Notre Dame and, you know, uh, have everything I need here and then, um, see what we can do in the SJHL and then head on to the NCAA. Well, going into uh, stepping right into college next year, it's going to be a big jump. Did you consider, I mean, you could go to the USHL and, and maintain your eligibility. Obviously you can't, if you go play uh, for the Winnipeg ice, but, uh, was that ever a consideration? Oh, oh, let's play one year a junior and just have one step up from, uh, from the SJHL and then go to to uh, to Princeton and join the Tigers? Or do you feel like you can step right in and, and play a big role and be a contributor and, and not have a big period of time where you have to uh, get acclimated to a, a what's probably a pretty big jump up? Yeah, I mean, uh, it was always an option. And um, the Princeton coaches gave me that option if I wanted to, if I felt like I needed another year. But, um, you know, after after the season, both, both me and, uh, and them, decided that it'd probably be a good idea for me to go. And obviously there'll be a, an adjustment period, but I'm confident in myself that I'll be able to make it and um, hopefully contribute right away. Uh, well, you'll be going from small town Saskatchewan to uh, a, a much bigger city there. Are you uh, excited for that? Maybe a little uh, nervous about it? Yeah, it's going to be a little nerve wracking, but I mean, I'm always open for a, for a new uh, opportunity and, um, you know, going to New Jersey, I'm going down to visit soon. So I'll see it for the first time. And, you know, I'm really excited. All right, uh, tell me about the uh, the NHL draft. I, I wonder how much you spend, how much time you spend thinking about it. A lot of players will tell me they try not to think about it at all because they don't want it to be a distraction and kind of over uh, overtake them during the course of a year. Other guys though tell me that they actively look out to see where people have them ranked, whether it's TSN or Sportsnet or Central Scouting, and they use that as motivation. Uh, what about for you, Kevin? Yeah, I mean, coming into this year, I didn't even know it was an option. And then hmm. when I got ranked, it was it was nice to see. But, um, you know, I, I try not to, to look at that stuff too much. And, you know, in the back of my mind, I know that's a possibility. But I also just kind of see it as a way to, to motivate myself. And, you know, I have to work hard to prove that, that I uh, that I should be. So, um, yeah, it's it's something to, to kind of look forward to. But, um you know, it's it's never been a huge distraction for me. You, you feel like you're a bit of a late bloomer. I mean, no no season basically at all last year for you, so you're kind of off the radar uh, at that point. You said you're a little bit surprised to see yourself get ranked uh, by Central Scouting. So, uh, do you consider yourself maybe coming onto the scene a bit late and surprising people? Yeah, for sure. I think um, you know, second year, third year midget. I guess last year I I made the jump to junior, and I was I was hoping for a good year, but uh, mm -hmm. you know that was cut short and wasn't able to kind of prove myself, I guess. So I think this year I maybe turned a few heads and I'm glad uh, 
this year played out how it did. We'll see what happens coming into June. The sheet that I'm looking at lists you at uh, six foot and 175 ish pounds. How up to date is that? Uh, that's, that's pretty accurate. Yeah, I've, I haven't been able to gain much weight through the season, but uh, you know, in the off season, I'm I'm planning to to go hard in the gym and stuff and, and gain a few more weight or a few more pounds, I guess. So, um, yeah, that's fairly accurate. Do you think you've uh, stopped growing upward? Um, I'm honestly not sure. I think uh, this year I might have grown an inch or so, but uh, again, I. I, I <laughs> I, I hope I'm still growing, but if not, that'll be okay. Uh, curious, September 15th birthday, so you're right on the cutoff for the the NHL draft. So were you uh, eligible last year, or is this your first year eligible? I think I was eligible last year, and this is the second year of eligibility. Okay. Yeah, that would have been nice if it was a day later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, but obviously, the, the with no season last year, hey, this is, uh, is going to be... Uh, a fun experience for you, I'm sure. Uh, how many teams have uh, reached out and had uh, chats with you at this point? You don't have to name them or anything, but I know that you're on the radar for a lot of teams. Uh, yeah, there's been quite a few, and um, I know there's been a few out to to Wilcox to watch a few games. So um, I, I don't know the, the number, but uh, yeah, there's definitely been a few. Uh, for those who haven't had a chance to watch you play, and I am in that group, um, can you describe yourself? Give us a, a bit of a self-scouting report, because the numbers maybe don't paint the whole picture. Yeah, I think I uh, I kind of set myself apart with my competitive edge, and um, I'll do whatever it takes to win. And um, I like to say that I'm, or like to think that I'm fast and I can make plays. So um, I'll do whatever I can to make my teammates better. And and uh, you know, I I pride myself on my 200 foot play too. So all over the ice, I I uh, take pride in winning battles and stuff. And you know, the the points come and go, but. Uh, I like to think that I do the little things right. 30 goals, 49 assists. Do you see yourself more as a shooter or a setup guy? Or I guess you're you're able to do both pretty well. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm able to do both. But um, I think I am a pass-first guy. And, it, um, you know, I got a few really good goal scorers on my team that I kind of set up a lot this year. And, yeah, I, I think I'm a pass-first guy. Uh, no NHL team in Saskatchewan, obviously. So uh, who was your team growing up? I guess you had your pick from everybody. <laughs> yeah, growing up, me and my dad and uh we usually usually cheer for the blackhawks and they're in their little dynasty there in the early 10s or 2010s i guess uh we were huge fans of them so it'd be really cool to go there but obviously any team would also be be a dream come true so oh, are there uh maybe individual players at the nhl level that you kind of look at maybe i don't know posters on your wall when you were a little kid or something like that but Maybe guys that are about your size physically or play a similar style of game that you look to in as sort of a, a blueprint for the way you can have success. Yeah, I've always uh, always liked Matt Barzell and then Yanni Gord, too, on the Lightning, and mm. Johnny Gaudreau, too. I guess those are the kind of the main three that I, I really like and I try to model my game after. Well, uh, listen, Kevin, I really appreciate your time, man. I enjoyed the conversation a lot. Uh, best of luck uh, starting this weekend when you take on uh, Estevan in the SJHL playoffs, whatever happens at the draft. And maybe once you're down in Princeton, we'll uh, have a chance to chat again. Awesome. Thank you. That was Kevin Anderson from the Notre Dame Hounds in Wilcox, Saskatchewan, the Athel Murray College of Notre Dame. And that was kind of by request. I'd been chatting recently with a, uh, a friend of mine who was uh, an NHL scout. And just picking his brain, I said, uh, who who haven't I got on the show yet this year that's maybe kind of on the edge of the radar, sort of somebody bubbling under the surface, might not be getting a whole lot of media attention, but is definitely on the radar for scouts. 
And uh, he mentioned, I think kind of begrudgingly, because everybody wants to keep some players a secret, but he mentioned Kevin Anderson. He said, well, have, you, have you had Kevin Anderson from uh, Notre Dame on? So that was the reason I reached out to uh, get Kevin. Perfect timing right before the uh, SJHL playoffs begin. Uh, that's a tough matchup for them, though. Estevan, the top team in the SJ this year. But pretty impressive. Uh, obviously, he's a student because he's going to Princeton. I always worry a little bit about the, because it's an Ivy school, you don't play a ton. Uh, but hey, listen, uh, those schools are putting guys to the NHL as well. Uh, so don't count out Kevin Anderson. He's going to be one to watch uh, on draft day. More to come after the break, but um, I can't honestly tell you who that is yet because uh, a planned interview that I had just fell through. So I'm calling an audible at the line. What's up next? You'll find out as you come back. This is the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Back off to the near side. It comes for Winters. Down low, takes the return. Winters cross ring. Shot goal. Ingram again. Hey, this is Adam Ingram from the Youngstown Phantoms, and this is the Pipeline Show. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Johnny Gaudreau. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Joe Pavelski. And Shane Gossespierre were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Make it better. Turn up the good. Turn down the suck. Hey, we're back on the Pipeline Show for one final segment for this week's episode. And uh, for this one, a oh, reminder, the Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Go to wilhockbeefjerky.com. Uh, Wilhock it's the best beef jerky you've ever had. Alberta's best because you can't win friends with salad. Uh, my next guest is going to help us uh, wade through the WHL's Western Conference. And, uh, of course, that is Steve Ewan from the Vancouver Province and, and the Sun. Uh, welcome back to the program, Steve. How are you? I'm outstanding, and I love love some beef jerky, by the way. Well, you're in the West, so you can actually get some. There you go. Tell me about the Vancouver Giants this year, Steve. Uh, sitting right now in the standings, uh, comfortably in sixth spot. And I guess I say comfortably, but really, are they that comfortable? They're they're only eight points uh, ahead of ninth place Victoria right now. Uh, they're a lot closer to being out of the playoffs than they are to catching uh, Kelowna, who are 25 points ahead of them in, in fifth place. There's a real high end of the uh, of the standings, and Vancouver's at the top of that lower tier. Yeah, it, it's not been the year that I think Vancouver Giants fans hoped for when they started the year with 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 four uh, NHL draft picks and then added a fifth. Um, it just it feels that it's kind of been up and down, and uh, everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong, and some things that couldn't have gone wrong still went wrong. So it's, you know, it's not been the year that, that everybody – Everybody involved with the Giants was 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 kind of aiming for. Uh, the uh, surprise for me was when they added Alex Cotton. I thought, all right, well, this is a team that's going for it this year. And then, at, you know, a couple of months later, they moved Justin Sortif. It just seemed like it was two very different messages. And Tanner Brown. And Tanner Brown, that's right. Uh, what happened in between those uh, two events? I think they had, I, I, again, I, I think they... They looked at their talent and they thought their talent should have been doing more and wondered if an Alex Cotton could have sparked it. 
um, it, it, it just hasn't happened. They, they've had, they've had trouble stringing wins together. They've had, they've had trouble in all facets. Um, I, it just, it, it feels like they're, they don't play as a team nearly enough to have this to, to add up to the sum of their parts, if that makes any sense. Um, they should have a very good power play. They, they have the makings of a very, a very good power play. They're 18th in the league in the power play, and they've they've kind of sat there all year. So, I, I yeah, it's it's not you know they they felt that they could make a run at the 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 Kamloopses and the and the Everett's of the world, and and it just hasn't happened nearly consistently enough. Well, I guess I was surprised then when uh, they moved Justin Sordiff and Brown, as you mentioned, uh, but then they don't. To trade some of the other pieces that they probably could have got a good return for, and maybe that's to... uh, they were kind of in between. I think they, I think with 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 the Abbotsford AHL franchise starting up this year, I think there's a very very much a concern about uh, marketplace and and the mm-hmm. business side of things, and I, I think they were kind of half in and half out. And I, I, you know, I wonder if they could look back whether they would go the same way or 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 like you said, I thought you know maybe they would move out even more guys and, you know, kind of go, go younger and get a, get a head start on next year and the year after that. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I was surprised by that. All right. Well, when you've seen the rest of this, uh, a conference come through Vancouver this year and, or I guess Langley, um, I know it's, it's a very different year because of no crossover. The WHL's Eastern and Western conferences is really the two separate leagues this year. And yeah, uh, I, I think the plan moving forward is to reunite them, but, you know, it all, and to some degree, it almost makes sense to have two separate leagues with the uh, extended travel and the, the lack of crossover as it is. But uh, when you see the rest of the Western Conference, looking at the standings, there really is that the high-end uh, teams and then everybody else. Yeah. Of the five up top, who is the best in your in your opinion? I'm a Kamloops Blazer guy. I, I think they're... I think they've got a little bit of everything. You know, they're, they're strong in goal. They've got five or six guys in the back that... that get the puck up the ice and then they've got they've got goal scores i i, I think they're going to be there if, if i was putting money down that would be the team i i would put cash down on i mean again everett is everett everett is is as solid a franchise as there is in this league and you know in terms of year in year out mm-hmm. i just think hamlet's might have a little bit more firepower is uh dylan grand back next year in your opinion he's been so good i i yeah i don't I, I can't see him coming back. I can't see them them looking at that as as uh, 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 the Rangers. I can't see them looking at that as a positive. Yeah. Uh, you know. You know. You know. Having more to give. Um. How do they get the Do they get the Mem Cup? I. You know. Maybe that changes something. Yeah. I, I think. You know. I think that's that's interesting. That they've got a they've got a nice group moving forward. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's where I was going. I mean, they're going to lose, obviously, the three uh, overage guys from this year, so Luke Toporowski won't be back, uh, and a couple of guys off the back end in uh, Schmiemann and Pearson. But with the Garand, you know, I guess probably not coming back, let's just say. I think, I'm not sure if he's signed yet or not by the Rangers. If he is, he's probably not coming back. But this is a team that is really good right now, but uh, probably even better next season. Uh, unless something bizarre, you know, Stan Coven makes Dallas or something, you yeah. know, unless something I kind of, you know, that we're not thinking of right away. I, I, yeah, they've, 
they did a nice job of adding at the deadline without, you know, really subtracting, you know, uh, risking any kind of future assets. I, yeah, I, they've they have they have set themselves they've set themselves up nicely for this year and you know kind of kind of going forward as well. The uh, Kelowna Rockets uh, just hanging around, and uh, I wasn't sure what to expect from them this year, but they are just keeping pace with uh, the clubs above them and are in that uh, upper echelon group in the Western Conference. Do you see enough from them? They've done a tremendous job. I mean, you, you think about the assets that they gave up for that playoff run that never happened. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, they, you would think they would be on a downturn. And, uh, you know, Coach, you know, you know, Coach Mallett's got them playing systems, and, and I mean, they're a hard team to play against. I, I think they – they could jump up and you know maybe bite somebody, you know, in you know in terms of that upper group. I, I think that I, I think they've done a tremendous job. I didn't ex- I didn't expect them to be as good as they are. Yeah, n- neither did I. And maybe I thought maybe that was just the separation between the two conferences and and me losing touch with with that talent. I mean, it's been a couple of years really since uh, we've seen. Oh, but I, I mean, you, what they give they give up th- three or four first round picks to for a playoff run that didn't happen yeah and i i think there was talk of them if there was playoffs last year i think they were going to be big time sellers of course no you know kind of no playoffs last year either and you would think that a team that had that had given up so much and and gotten nothing back in return would have taken a step back i expected <laughs> i expected vancouver to be where Kelowna is and i expected Kelowna to be where you know close to you know where Vancouver is. Yeah, I like the addition of Adam Kidd uh, that they picked up from the Calgary Hitmen as well. I think uh, he was um, a, a nice addition uh, for Kelowna, and he seems to have been, he's more productive in Kelowna than he was in Calgary, so it seems to be a good fit for him. Uh, then you got the uh, the good old Portland Winterhawks who just seem to keep chugging along, and uh, their team. I I look at them on paper and I'm like, I have no idea how they're doing it, but they just keep getting it done. And how they're doing it is Mike Johnson, right? Yeah. I think. You know, again, they they just kind of figured out, and I mean, that's a team that that went through the whole ownership change, and obviously some some changes in you know in, in terms of the way they run their business, and they just uh, they keep kind of trucking along, and and uh, you know, adding adding Goche, the goalie from 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 Prince George, which I think they got at a discount price, and you know, in terms of you know a COVID. COVID concern trade. I, I think people worried about you know that there being no playoffs at some point. Mm. I, yeah, I, 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 you know, a guy that's inspired to really go do something. I, I, I think that was great for them. Well, guys like uh, St- uh, James Stefan, who's I, I think they listed him. I don't even know if they drafted him. Um, just finding him out of nowhere and getting those guys to to commit up north, uh, another Californian. Uh, that is able to play in the yeah. WHL for him, uh, for them rather. Uh, Mike Johnson just continues to do great work with the uh, with the Portland Winterhawks, and then uh, the the one team we haven't talked about at that upper part of uh, the WHL's Western Conference would be the Seattle Thunderbirds. I had a guest on a couple weeks ago who said he thinks that's the team uh, to beat in the uh, the Western Conference, but they've kind of been sputtering here as of late. I I just I think that that second round of the playoffs is going to be fascinating. Because <laughs> I, I think those top five teams are all very, you know very strong and and I, I again Seattle it, you know I I saw some playoff games there when Vancouver was there mm-hmm. I, a hard place to play you know traditionally a big physical team a you know playoff like team uh, yeah I I think the top half of the Western Conference is, is I mean that 
the playoffs are going to be a ton of fun. Well, in that first round, it might even be fun because I think as it stands right now, Seattle and Kelowna would uh, meet up in that first round. Is there a team? Yeah, a very good team is not going to make it to the second round. That's right. Of of the the teams right behind Vancouver, Spokane, Prince George, Victoria, and and Tri-C Day, I guess we can't discount them at this point. Uh, I mean, really, with Vancouver, there's five teams uh, fighting for the last three playoff spots. Who, who, in your opinion, are the two teams that miss out? I saw Tri City on on Wednesday. I, I there's outside of maybe the Vancouver group. I, I think there's a lot of young young team. You know, those are those are younger teams. I, I think I think Tri City and Victoria miss. Okay. I, I mean, there, there's some Victoria plays Prince George a bunch. Victoria plays Spokane the last two games of the year. I I think it's going to come right down to that final final weekend. I think there's not a lot to separate. I, there's I don't think there's a lot that separates the top group. I don't think there's a lot that separates the bottom group at the same time. All right, I expected more from Prince George this year, and uh, I'm not sure if, if that's fair or if I misread them, but I thought they would be much similar to the Moose Jaw Warriors on on this side. Uh, a team that's young, but with really, really good young talent. Why hasn't it happened in Prince George? Good question. I, I yeah, I, I don't know if they're they're missing some of that veteran leadership. I mean, they obviously gave up a veteran in Goche to, to Portland. I, I like the way they move the puck out of the back. I think that's always a key to me. I think I, you know, I kind of was weaned on those the you know the John Blum Vancouver Giant teams that had six guys in the back that could get the fuck out of their zone and, you know, six guys in the front that, that could really forecheck. And if, if you could have somebody in at one end and get it out at the other end, you had a good chance to win. I, I think Prince George gets it out of their own zone. Um, yeah, I, I, that, that is an interesting one to me. Maybe next to Vancouver, they might be the kind of the underwhelming team this year so far. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Well, Steve, listen, I really appreciate your time today. Thanks for helping me close out the show at uh, very, very uh, short notice. What do you got coming up uh, in the Vancouver province or the Sun? We are, uh, we will be, you know, checking out uh, Giants and Giants and Everett this weekend. There's, there's a, a home and home, so I, I think that's that's going to be my main focus over the next couple of days. Terrific! Thanks for doing this, pal. Thanks so much, Jay. Steve Ewan from the Vancouver province uh, giving us a, a preview of what's to come here the rest of the way this regular season, the playoff chase in the standings, uh, and uh, a good preview of some of those upper echelon teams in the Western Conference. Do you agree with him? Is Kamloops the team to beat? A couple of weeks ago, Josh Kreitzer down in Portland said it was the Seattle Thunderbirds who were the team to beat. You tell me. Let me know at tw- on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee. That will do it for this week's episode. Next week, we'll continue on looking at the uh, 2022 draft spotlight segments. We'll have a uh, probably a recap of the CHL top prospect game, maybe get somebody on who was uh, either at the game or playing in it. Obviously, we'll have uh, NCAA National Championship talk because uh, the conference playoffs all wrap up this weekend. you got Selection Sunday coming up as well. Exciting time of year uh, for all the teams in, uh, at all levels of prospect hockey. Quick reminder, if you want to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash thepipelineshow. A couple of bucks a month or even less, 10% less than that if you sign up for an annual package. You'll get early access to all the interviews that you hear on a full episode outside of this one with Steve because I've done that one here on Friday morning. 
and a show coming out uh, just a couple of hours later. Normally, interviews are done Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, sometimes Thursday, and those are all available to patrons before a full episode is released. Patreon.com slash The Pipeline Show. Busy weekend here in Edmonton. The Oil Kings in action tonight, taking on the Calgary Hitmen. It is a fan appreciation night, so I'm looking forward to that. Until next week, everybody, get out and watch some junior college hockey if you can. Do it safely, and we will talk about it next week here on The Pipeline Show. Brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. My name's Keith Flaming. See ya.